Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, welcome to episode number 50 of Broken Records, the podcast which searches for the worst album ever made in the history of music. My name is Stephen Hill. I'm joined here, as ever, by Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, how are you? Had Hello. a nice day? Yeah, I've had a lovely day. I'm really Good. thrilled that we've um, reached our milestone of 50 episodes of uh, Broken mm. Records. Lovely stuff. 50 terrible albums. Well... <laughs> 47 terrible albums and Naomi Campbell's Red Chili Peppers in the Darkness I would say is probably more accurate but whatever hey thanks everyone last week who agreed we've done this already haven't we but who's yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on our sister podcast Riot Act but should say it on Broken Records as well yes everyone who listened literally every single person you are right Renfrey is a terrible person for not putting one hot minute in uh, the correct position but mm-hmm. Yep. You know what can we do about it? What Go can on. what can we do? We're stuck yep. now. We're stumped. Me and um, Jimmy Savile in hell together. Yeah, <laughs> there we are yeah. Yeah. singing P. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're down to for the rest of our lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so look, um, as I mentioned, this is where we try and find the worst album of all time. All the albums that are featured on this particular podcast are selected because of their re- reputation in some manner, be that fan reaction, critical reaction the band reaction some kind of uh thing that happened around the context of said record but it's not as simple as me and Renfrey just hating the band or the record itself so just thought i'd point that out before we go any further this week though we're going to be talking about cut the crap by the clash the sixth studio album from the uk punk rock legends or the first for the Clash version 2, if you like, um, released on the 4th of November 1985. Before we get into punk rock and all of its many joys, we're not really going to be doing much about punk rock <laughs> this week, unfortunately. We're not going to be doing much about joy. No, either, I don't think we are, no. no. Uh, let's count down the 20 worst records that we have had on the podcast so far. In descending order, they are Linkin Park's One More Light, Super Collider by Megadeth, Cold Chambers Chamber Music, The Truth Is by Theory of a Dead Man, Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV, The Cosmos Rocks by Queen of Paul Rogers, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, the original soundtrack to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, The Movie, Eogan Quig with Eogan Quig, Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under, Blood, Sweat and Towers by The Towers of London, Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by The Shags, Total Zanarchy by Little Zan, Blood on the Dance Floor with Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem with Methods of Mayhem, The True Symphonic Orchestra with Concerto in True Minor, Uncle Crackers Double Wide, and number one still, I'm not a fan by the kids, but the kids like it, by Broken Side, which remains at number one. That top kind of five hasn't been touched for quite some time. And I I only say that because let's get on with the record that we're doing this week. The Clash are a legendary band, obviously. This is sort of a reverse of what we did last week. Where last week we did a band that I hated being good. This week... (laughs) <laughs> we're doing a band that I love being 
as bad as they could ever possibly be. But broadly, The Clash are a fucking great band. Do you like The Clash, Renfrew? I'm not sure we've ever spoken that much about them before. I like The Clash. I definitely don't like The Clash as much as you do. You are the punkier of the two of us in that respect, most certainly. Um, But I think anyone who is a fan of music who can't at least appreciate The Clash and what they did um, is a bit of a fool, um, to say the least. Uh, My feeling when I listen to The Clash is like... I get this and I like it. It would feel so much more potent if I was there at the time. I suppose, I mean, I suppose you could argue that with any bands. I'm sure Led Zeppelin would have felt more potent uh, at the time and I and I still love them. But yeah, I, I would say I'm a relatively casual Clash fan. I've, uh, to my knowledge, I've only sat down and listened to London Calling and the um, self-titled record. So Ooh, beyond that, aren't they? yeah, and... Oh yeah, 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 very good. Um, but beyond, like, I haven't even heard um, a Sandinista, mm-hmm. the like triple album, which is quite um, notorious as well. Yeah. Like, I've never, I've never sat down and listened to that in full, okay. not once. I've heard bits. Well, from there are people who before. suggested that we were mad for picking for not picking Sandinista as the broken record on broken records. I would suggest to those people that you have not heard "Cut the Crap." yeah i mean i so from my little knowledge of the clash um certainly sandinista does have a reputation of sorts doesn't it but from what i know it's simply that it's too long and it's a a triple album i mean it's Mm. a lot you know it's a lot of stuff Mm. and also it's um it's the, the the kind of the reggae and I guess the pop and the more electronic-y um, well I'm not, not really electronic but the more kind of um, yeah the more modern stuff that they started to do um, which I think they, they do brilliantly on you know Combat Rock is an album from 1992 before this record which is a it's a fantastic record and it turned the clash into oh. in America broke them fully mainstream in the same way as you know, Blondie or Talking Heads would have been broken mainstream. Like the Clash are a massive, massive deal. I think Combat Rock is uh, is is all the best bits of Sandinista kind of um, squished into one album. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with much on Sandinista. I just think it's really fucking long, really long. And it was probably quite jarring when you heard it to be like, "Whoa, they're they're really going I'm away like- from." you know white riot and all that kind of stuff you know Mm. i might go and listen to combat rock after this uh because um the electronic uh, uh, parts that you're referring to there on this particular record are one of the biggest um bad things about it i would say but we'll get on to that absolutely they are really doesn't work on this record well i mean (laughs) you know you got to think as well in the early 80s We've discussed this before when we spoke about The Exploited and how punk rock, the kind of 77 punk rock thing was, you know, save for a hardened few um, artists such as The Exploited or GBH or whatever, that, you know, there were, you know, were a few bands um, who were trying to keep that classic staple um, safety pin and leather and mohawk and sniffing glue thing alive. But really, most of the best bands or most of the best artists from that period had moved on to goth like Susie and the Banshees or to post-punk like John Lydon did with Pill or to kind of reggae and pop like The Clash did. And then, you know, you've obviously got the bands 
that they influence i've already mentioned talking heads um and i've uh, i would i would throw in the whole kind of post-punk movement in general really you know even from you two to echo and the bunny men you know like and 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 the 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 blitz kids the the new romantic thing that was hugely influenced and inspired by punk as well it's just turning it into something completely different but you know being a kind of punk rock band in the early 80s it's not really the coolest thing to do so after london calling was this like absolute statement thing which seemed to really evolve and move the clash into you know quite a different area you got sand and easter and you got combat rock and i think you got you got stuff that can be played on the radio quite easily and they were a really really big band and it turned them into superstars and i think the way in which the clash dealt with being turned into legit superstars is at the very least very interesting shall we say Renfrey um before we go any further I was going to ask you how much you knew about Bernard Rhodes the band's manager because he is a pretty integral character to this particular part of the um this particular part of the clashes well not the clash a lot of the clashes career but particularly uh this record he is a pretty integral part Prior to uh, having a look at research for this, um, I didn't know an awful lot about him. Um, and the research that I have done for this record doesn't paint him in the greatest light. But that's <laughs> the only kind of stuff that I've read up on him. So I wouldn't want to say one way or the other. But um, yeah, that's all I know about him. Well, really. Bernard Rhodes is a, a dude who tried to kind of weasel his way into kind of co-managing the Sex Pistols initially. Uh, yeah. Oh, and when that didn't happen, he did have a little bit to do with with the Sex Pistols. In fact, actually, John Lydon is um, is very complimentary about Bernard Rose. Very complimentary indeed. But he was the guy who actually kind of put the clash together. Um, he's right. the guy who put them together and said you should do this, and he kind of constructed the way that they looked and the way they not so much the way they sounded or the way they wrote songs, but certainly he kind of set the whole punk scene up or like helped to kind of craft the look of punk in the same way as Vivian Westwood or Malcolm McLaren did with his kind of management of the clash which was very very harsh like a very kind of um regimented uh people have called it Stalin-esque the way that he kind of managed his bands previously and um in 1979 the tensions with the clash and with bernard rhodes had grown to such an extent that uh that they they sacked him um although joe strummer again was very very complimentary about him as a person so come kind of 1982 when stuff started to go a little bit weird he was sort of asked back in i mean particularly i think to to deal with a lot of the the money flow issues that the clash were having Bernard Rhodes was seen as somebody who could kind of help them out at the time. What that led to is, first of all, uh, the drummer Topper Heaton um, being fired from the band due to drugs, heroin to be specific, which um, mm-hmm. left him quite unreliable as both a person and as a performer. So in the aftermath of Combat Rock, mid kind of 1992 during the tour, he was canned from the band. And so, ergo, you have a you know a kind of three quarters of the clash and that classic lineup left in the clash um the band started rehearsals for a new album in early 1983 
and they met the drummer Pete Howard. Pete Howard, there doesn't seem to be much information about Pete Howard before he joins the Clash. They did seem to just sort of hmm. meet him. Um, uh, he came in after the, the band's original drummer, Terry Chimes, came in for a bit and then left as well. Uh, he played as the band headlined the Us Festival in 1983. It's how big the Clash were at the time in California. There's an estimated 100 to 200,000 people watched their headlining performance in california which is oh, a shit. lot right that's a lot of lot of lot of people well glastonbury is two hundred and fifty thousand people and it's uh considered one of if not the biggest festival in the world yes. so between 100 to 200,000 i mean if, even if it's 100 even if it's the lower end of that estimate that is still incredibly impressive that's bigger than download it's bigger than reading and mm. leeds not by a, not by a significant amount but it is yeah, bigger than both definitely of um i found a little interview with pete howard and he says this about the time of joining the, ca- the clash and then getting involved he said after the auditions they basically said go away and learn everything not these songs everything we had some rehearsals in notting hill and basically mick wouldn't turn up this is mick jones um, if he turned up at all, he would turn up three hours after everyone else had. The tension between Mick and Joe was palatable. Apparently, after the Us Festival, nothing really happened. Uh, Pete says, I didn't get a phone call for four months. And then all of a sudden, I got this incredibly fucking vitriolic phone call from Joe saying, I fucking sacked the stone cunt. Whose side are you on? Mine or his? And I was like, uh, 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 yours, Joe ultimatum much yeah the official <laughs> statement of the 10th of september 1983 said joe strummer and paul simonon have decided that mick jones should leave the group the clash it's felt that jones drifted away from the original idea of the group now this is very very important mick jones is the lennon or the mccartney probably the lennon to joe strummer's mccartney or vice versa yeah this is a yeah, lennon yeah. and mccartney pairing and um he's an integral part of the band this is not just like one of the classic yeah one of the classic rock duos absolutely it? You know, it is you uh, know he's uh you yeah. know he he both of them took lead vocals both of them mm-hmm. wrote songs like strummer's more of a kind of lyrics man but jones is the guy who crafted and mm-hmm. shaped the sound of the clash he's the guy who made the clash sound like the clash right and he was fired <laughs> for acting too much like a rock star, even though he and his bandmates were rock stars. What are your thoughts on that <laughs> as a sacking, Renfrey? Just briefly before we go into more details of it. We had a little bit of this on um, last week's episode where John Frusciante was sacked from the Red Hot Chili Peppers for doing too many drugs. Mm. And actually, I remember we said then that rock uh history rock and roll history whatever you want to call it is kind of rife with those kind of hypocritical firings almost you know and i don't know it seems like too much of a rock star did they mean they mean that from the point of view of he wasn't acting the way that they wanted him to act yeah it's felt that jones drifted away from the original idea of the group the aesthetic of the clash we are punk rock anti-capitalist rebellious the only band that mean anything the only band that you can trust mick jones was going off and dating models and he was dressing a bit flashily more flashily and he was interested in rap and reggae and pop Mm. Mm. and you know there's stories of saying you know like his 
his guitars were sort of just sitting there getting dusty in the corner while he played around with right. synthesizers and stuff. And mm. Joe Strummer did not want that, did not think that that was befitting of the clash. And they fell out. And I think as he proved with Big Audio Dynamite, which is the band that he quickly formed and um, released music with in the aftermath of this, his use of synth, which was sneered at by the real punks back then, you know, he's actually a tremendous songwriter. Like a really, really brilliant songwriter, obviously. And um, that's something I think the other members of The Clash discovered at a later date to their cost. Um, mm. In fact, a week before Jones's departure was officially announced, The Clash put up an anonymous advert in Melody Maker looking for replacement guitarists, and then Jones was ousted. Um, two unknown musicians, Greg White. <laughs> they actually tried to get Greg White to change his name to Vince White because Paul Simonon said that he couldn't think of a cool person named Greg. <laughs> I thought he wasn't meant to be a rock star, though. <laughs> so it doesn't matter, mm, surely. It's very confusing. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Shepard were unveiled as part of the band, both guitarists. Jones, such a good guitarist, doing an Iron Maiden, isn't it? You know, we got that three guitarists now, three guitarists <laughs> for a punk band. Yeah, I mean for the Clash as well. Like, uh, like it's more understandable for Maiden. Um, Pearl Jam have three guitarists sometimes. I mean, they have two main guitarists, and Eddie Vedder occasionally plays guitar as well, and that makes more sense as well but yeah for the clash that seems like uh too mm. many cooks yeah I, I, it, is a, it is a weird one um but joe strummer believed that writing a punk rock song was simple and was confident that even though his primary songwriter was no longer part of the band that this new iteration of the clash would be able to make music of a similar fashion in the way that he believed they should sound with absolutely no problem whatsoever Joe Strummer's mind, this is a throwback to the early days of what punk rock was. This is not Rock the Caspar. This is not the Magnificent Seven. You know what I mean? This is this is not any of the bells and whistles y stuff that they've been doing, the MTV friendly stuff that they've been trying to do. This is what we're they were gonna his intention was to make a record which was a stark straight down the line rudimentary punk rock album to kind of because you've got to think that like, it's 1984 1984 1985 shit's fucking like mm. madonna's popular do you know what i mean like the, the stuff that's popular at this point mm. that gets on top of the pops is super synthetic and punk rock is not cool but strummer was like no no let's let's go back to our punk roots i mean it's fair to say that, that is not how this plays out right it's crazy to think that that was the initial goal because goodness me this album is so far away from that as a goal i mean we we have talked about albums that are a failure in some ways because they set out to do something and they don't manage it we've actually talked about records as well where they've set out to do something and they do manage it but that's alienated people uh metal machine music you know but but no goodness me this album does not sound like a simple three chords in the truth punk record which i'm assuming is what strummer was kind of going for yeah um it's very cluttered uh, just it, yeah <laughs> that's putting it politely it, isn't it? it really yeah. is um so before the album was written the band um went out on tour and played some shows with the brand new lineup um 
debuting a few new songs in the process. It's around this time that Bernard Rhodes begins to go full Colonel Tom Parker on the band, um, really explicitly telling them what to wear, how to act, kind of belittling the new members. It must be difficult to be like three completely unknown musicians and to be suddenly in the clash, right? That I mean, that's got to be really hard. I can't imagine. Yeah, the, that must be extraordinary. I suppose being between two quite strong personalities who are pushing and pulling you two different ways that would be very very difficult indeed i think mm. uh pete howard has spoken of that time saying it was constantly every day right tonight you're going to wear sunglasses and then after the show it was like you look like a wanker in sunglasses never wear them again uh he says i remember having an argument with the clashes road manager cosmo vinyl once um i was saying this is like being in the fucking moonies you've got this fucking dwarf buddha standing there handing out dictums <laughs> and you have to follow them i don't think like that i don't want to live that way and he just said this how it is you take it with bernie or you don't take it at all and then he went on to tell the story about bernie turning joe from a nothing into something and he said if you don't believe that joe is an iconic figure then that's your issue but most of the world know him do believe that and joe believes that bernie made him that so joe strummer is kind of caught up in mm-hmm. this thing where you know it's like people can massage your ego and be really mm. controlled and not be good for you i mean the, the the again rock is and music in general is littered with stories of people who hang around the wrong kind of people and i think mm. joe strummer just retreated back to the wrong dude just purely out of i don't know i mean out of uh, I, I guess just feeling like he had no other option but to do that maybe and really wanting to think that oh this guy's got my best interests at heart and do you know what i mean like i, I it, when i always whenever i read this like when i read like what, El, what elvis went through with colonel tom park i'm just like why didn't you just like you, you're the guy why don't you just sack him you fucking you don't need that guy surely but it's weird how people can manipulate themselves into making you feel like they're really integral even though they're not really doing anything the other thing i should say regarding kind of to tell to give you an idea of what sort of person uh bernard rhodes is is that he would fly first class he would stay in expensive hotels but he would tell the band to live a punk lifestyle of like vans and blah blah, blah. so obviously he was like you have to be a punk rock band you have to believe in the but that obviously he never adhered right. to any of those rules so it is you know okay. like do as i say not as i do so he seems like a real dick but the that that first tour by all accounts the songs that the band played in the form that joe strummer wrote them on tour and performed them on this tour they seem to have been quite well received and the demos and the the stuff that happened like strummer is happy with with that stuff like the idea of where they were going as they go into the studio when they're thinking about going to the studio they got 20 songs written and these were the 12 best by all accounts it's fine i mean fucking hell but um uh, <laughs> not, the, not the most fruitful um writing periods no. uh in, a, in in any band's career i have to say but still by all accounts the versions that were played on tour as new songs during this period with the new lineup got pretty good responses from writers from the fans from the band themselves look back and go like it's really, it's really good and there was a lot of positivity surrounding the comeback of the clash at this point i think that's somewhat understandable because as we'll get on to the key issues with this album 
I, I don't think the songs are great. They're certainly not of the standard that you'd expect from The Clash, but the actual songwriting is not the main issue with the record, is it? I think I not think really. I think there is. I don't think these songs are good enough to be perfectly honest. But this is a bit of a spoiler for going forward. But um, yeah. But I do think there's more at play here than just oh they wrote some bad songs. Absolutely, I, I, I do agree that they're they are not up to these standards that a band like The Clash should have. But I, it's it's not the biggest crime that this album makes absolutely not um the band finished touring and we're getting ready to go into the studio to record when joe strummer found out that his mother had terminal cancer and this is within a year of the death of his father and he went into a tailspin that meant he didn't write or rehearse with the band for an elongated period of time and it's this point where bernard rhodes makes the grab they went wow. into uh, Werton Studios in Germany. There was a number of legal battles with Mick Jones over the Clash name and whether they could record and write and release music under the suit under the the name of the of the Clash. So a lot of this album was done, as I'm sure you can probably hear if you ever listen to it, with uh, it's quite tight purse strings, shall we say, Renfrey? Um, <laughs> <laughs> fairly tight purse purse strings, and the kind of the financial ability to do the things they needed to do was was kind of um, tighter than usual. Uh, so Rhodes hired an engineer called Michael Fain, who had extensive knowledge of drum machines and synthesizers, and also he decided that he was going to produce the record. He's a manager. Let's not forget that he's a manager. Nice one, mate. You got no experience as an actual musician or as an engineer or as a producer, but he believed that in his head he had this amazing genre that he'd melded together of kind of pop and rap and synthesized music and rock music all kind of smushed together. And he believed that this was the future and that they could create a Clash album that sounded like the future of music. Which is the absolute opposite of what Joe Strummer wants. Yeah, and, all, and it absolutely is. And also, thank fuck that it wasn't the future of music. Because can you imagine the sort of shit that we'd be listening to now if yeah. this was the future of music? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. That's a, that's a hell of a move to pull off. A hell of a dick move. Absolute mad fuck. So he also decided to get a bunch of session musicians together to construct all of the backing tracks whilst Joe Strummer was otherwise engaged. Um, all right. Uh, that. He did. He, th- he thought they sounded really good, the mad fuck. Joe Strummer did not think that. <laughs> he, as I mentioned, believed that the demos that he created uh, and that the band had done were good. He hated Rhodes messing about with his vision. He hated the overproduction of the record. Um, and just the band themselves just had a horrible time in the studio by the sounds of things uh howard in particular got the brunt of Rhodes' unwillingness to make a classic clash album um by telling him to play parts over and over again constantly telling him that he got it wrong constantly telling him that he didn't know how to play constantly undermining him one day by all accounts he actually walked in after a take and smashed his kit up in front of him and Mm. The result of this, unsurprisingly, is that Howard has been completely removed from the record, against his knowledge, by all accounts, until it came out, and is replaced by a drum machine for the entirety of the record. What a cunt. 
uh, I should yeah. know, I should add as well that even Paul Simonon himself is not actually on this record. The only other original Clash member, he's not actually on this record either because his parts were removed and played by a session musician instead. Um, mm-hmm. Even after that, <laughs> Bernard Rhodes took the final masters of the record that the band thought they'd heard, went off on his own and added more loops and synths and noises and car horns and people talking and bollocks to it. I mean, why? Why? Who fucking knows why? Who knows why this mad fuck thought just adding more just random noises to this record was a good idea? But that is what he did. Good idea, wasn't it? Yeah. Good idea to get the masters of an album and just go, oh, I'm going to just like... It's that thing we were saying the other... I can't remember what we were talking about when we were going, just add more... more. It's Between the Buried and Me. I mean, fuck me. Between the Buried and Me sounds like fucking Jack Johnson compared to this fucking record. <laughs> Uh, I, well, the, I mean, the other thing was that you, you mentioned the fact before that it, it was so cheap sounding, this album, and it really does sound very cheap. Like, what I'll say for Between the Buried and Me is at least what they're doing is, is well, like, it doesn't sound cheap at all. It sounds really, you know, the, the, there are plenty of moments where it's well crafted and things like this. I don't think you could honestly say that this is well crafted um, at, at any point in its runtime at all no not at all um strummer did not want this album to come out in a way that it came out mm-hmm. inside it but due to the contract that he had signed to get Rhodes back within the band he was powerless to to stop the album coming out uh he was so depressed that he actually reached out to mick jones to try and get him to rejoin the band which unfortunately didn't happen um probably because joe strummer called the debut big audio dynamite album which had come out the year before one of the worst pieces of shit that I've ever heard, which is A, harsh, and B, <laughs> silly, and C, um, <laughs> you should hear your own records, mate. Like, that is a bad, bad record. Um, uh, have you have you heard that debut? Big Audio um, Dynamite? Big, yeah, it's great. Mm, yeah, it's great. Okay. Yeah, really cool. good. I, I like it. I mean, it, it, it's dated a little bit, to be fair, but yeah, it's sure. good, but it, it is good. Like, you know, it's actually good. Um mm. Joe Strummer said in the build-up to this this album that he would only release new material when he knew it would stand the test of time. He actually said it would last 10 years, which is mental. I mean, this is the most dated thing he's ever done in his entire life. Mm. It's just a mess. Uh, we'll get to reviews in a second, and we'll get to our thing about it. But the final thing we should say before we go into the reviews and stuff is, I mean, the cover as well. It was all changed, mm, oh last, God, was all yeah. changed last minute. Um, oh. Yeah. I mean, the, the um, the, it's horrible. The cover. It, it was. It's. It's really, really, really horrible. Really it's corrugated, horrible. corrugated iron, with I, I suppose what would look like a transfer or something like that put on top of it. And it's just a punk looking out onto a sort of, I don't know. It's a sort of cityscape type thing isn't it like like you'd expect soho mm. or, or or an equivalent of um with cut the crap along the bottom in a sort of vaguely reminiscent of never mind the bollocks typeface i suppose yeah um it's pink and white rather than pink and yellow but you know uh, yeah it's a rubbish cover fucking it's, it, it, 
crap Mad Max shit in it, basically. Yeah, it looks like the kind of cover... It looks like when you go into a... Um, uh, service station in the uk sometimes you get like bargain bins of cds and stuff which are like you know 20 classic punk tunes of the 70s and it's like things that have for whatever reason gone out of copyright or whatever that they can put on a cd and sell for 3.99 it looks it's really awful mm. and when you consider um i don't know may, maybe I, I mean to be honest i think the only uh album cover from the clash that looks really good is probably london calling yeah um but when you consider how good that cover is compared to this it's pretty (laughs) hell of a step down well it was meant to be called out of control and there was a whole other piece of artwork that the band wanted to use and he just went nah i'm gonna change all of this change it to to cut the crap as well like i mean what a terror it's a terrible name for a record it's awful on so many levels i mean it's so reminiscent of previous broken record entry what the um you know and it's kind of like there's a controversial element to punk you know there's a there's an element of like wanting to be direct and antagonistic but it's like it's like your mum's doing it rather than than you know they're trying to be antagonistic but not too rude you know and crap is such a sort of lame swear word in that sense mm. you know it, it just it's just like either go for it and call it funky fucky cunt nuts or something mm. or <laughs> or don't do it well the intention was apparently it was called cut the crap because it was meant to be speaking to all of these overproduced new romantic mtv darlings and saying like i'll oh, cut the crap and just get uh, back to basics which only works if the album itself yeah, <laughs> yeah. is that as well but it's not and this what? is the problem like why and, and the guy who changed it to that was the guy who made it so that it wasn't that yeah 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 the guy who changed it is the guy who put all the ridiculous bells and whistles on it which mm. made it sound like a total fucking mess yes so we should talk about it but before we do it's quite hard to find any original reviews for the album uh, that came out in 1985 it's not so easy but i i know that the nme uh, and Melody Maker were both very unfavourable to it. The <laughs> the enemy's review, uh, apparently the, the title for it was No Way Jose, which is in reference to Rhodes's alter ego, Jose Unidos, who was he was credited as producer of the album. Oh, right. So he didn't even have the bollocks to put his own name on it. And he didn't, no. He did not. <laughs> so Yeah, he's not coming across as a very decent person, I have to say. He's not really, is he? No. Um, <laughs> I found the Rolling Stone review. It says, There is a time when the Clash embodied all that was noble about punk. They understood the difference between apocalypse and mere anti-style. And as songwriters, singer-guitarist Joe Strummer and Mick Jones had the gift of the gab. The reggae, rap, pop, Esperanto of the band's epic productions, London Calling and Sandinista, was a blueprint for the 80s black-white crossover to come. Those records also anticipated the hardcore excursions of the Husker Du generation. Sadly, Cut the Crap sounds like the last nine years never happened. London's still burning, so are Liverpool, Central America and the Middle East. But this album, the group's first since Mick Jones' unceremonious firing in 1983 on dubious political grounds, is the sound of the clash just blowing smoke, thrashing in desperation under Strummer and bassist Paul Simonon's uncertain leadership. In Jones' absence, they have beat a retreat back to buzzsaw basics, abetted by controversial manager Bernard Rhodes, who boldly assumes courtship of the LP's 12 songs with Strummer. 
The three new members featured here who departed after the LP's release, along with Rhodes, are little more than bit players, however, filling out the sound with dutiful bluster, but rarely kicking it to life. The Washington Post said it was a revised version of The Clash, sounds like a pale and ghostly facsimile of this once great band, and the tiresome garbled choruses and strummers attempt to enliven them with horn charts create an ungainly mess of a sound. Um, those are the only ones I can find from kind of back in the day, other than our old mate, Robert Criscu, oh, no. who gave this Jeez. album a B plus. What? Uh, in the same week as he gave the same score to the debut Big Audio Dynamite album, which has stood up far better, by the way, as I've already kind of hinted at, said, since I play the much maligned combat rock, rock as much as I as any Clash album of my own, the advanced bad mouth didn't phase me. The orchestral synthesized horns on the lead cut did put me off, but most of this kicks in stubbornly jolly and elegiac and together. In the oral fact, it isn't pathetic that Joe strums and chants as if there's no yesterday. It's brave. Convincer, we are the Clash. Deary me. Deary me. I mean, this is one of the few times... You know when he uses his little bomb emoji thing? Mm. This is one of the few times that I think he would have been justified not writing any words and just using a little bomb emoji. <laughs> and the one time when he could do that and do it for an album which probably deserves it, he doesn't. He, he goes into an essay and tries to say that there's good things about it and there aren't very many good things about it. No. Uh, Louder, which is classic rock metal hammer and prog magazine, the umbrella thing of that, reviewed it in 2016, giving it one out of five and saying, if there's any justice in the world right now, somewhere on a street corner in England, someone would be holding Bernie Rhodes by the collar and kicking him repeatedly up the arse. He did kick me up the arse for what he did to cut the crap. From the electric drums and synthesized horns of Dictator, it's overcrowded dog's dinner of an opener. The band's last studio album is a chaotic, phony jumble. And such a stain on the Clash's name that apart from the anthemic single this England, which appeared on 2005's Best of the Essential Clash, it is rarely acknowledged by the band themselves. Uh, official documentary West Way to the World doesn't mention it, instead, choosing to pretend the band finished with the sacking of Mick Jones. It's the only Clash album not to feature Jones, and boy, is he missed. With the strummer Jones writing credit now laughably transformed into strummer Rhodes, manager Bernie Rhodes, who's also in the production seat, credited as Jose Unidos, the balance between Jones' ear for melody and strummer's lyrical voice was a thing of the past. Punknews.org gave it two out of five in a retrospective review as well, saying, "Okay, it's bad, so bad in fact that Joe Strum himself began referring to this lineup as the Clash Two after the album's release in hope of preserving the earlier lineup's legacies. So bad even that the album's lone great song, This Is England, is often neglected as spot on Clash compilations for fear of simply drawing attention to this stinker. I am about a bigger Clash stroke strummer fan as they come, and it's so bad that even I have a hard time acknowledging this thing." All Music gave it a score of 2 out of 5, saying, Hoping to keep The Clash as a raw punk phenomenon, Joe Strummer and Paul Simon kicked Mick Jones out of the band following the success of Combat Ruck, hiring three unknowns to replace him for Cut the Crap. As the title suggests, the group attempts to get back to its roots by sticking to short, fast, hard punk songs. Unfortunately, they sound like a parody of classic punk, with the exception of the surprisingly nervy This Is England. This is all formulaic, tired punk rock that doesn't have the aggression or purpose of early Clash records. It is a sad end to one of the greatest rock and roll bands, not even offering much of interest to the dedicated fans uh there's a writer called sean egan who's written books on a bunch of people including a few books about david bowie uh he said of the song movers and shakers that the line the boy stood in the burning slum was just <laughs> was a piece of unconscious self-parody that is quite probably the worst line ever to appear in a clash record hmm. Hmm. 
John Savage, the writer, defended the album in his book, England's Dreaming, praising it for its use of rap and rock together. John Savage is the guy who said that grunge only had one good band, Nirvana. Uh, so I'm guessing that he doesn't have such good taste, actually. Mm. Mm. Reached number 16 in the UK and number 88 in the US. Bummer. Well, pretty astonished it reached number 16 in the UK. That, well, <laughs> that is astonishing. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's a Clash album essentially i know but yeah still you know but anyway enough about all that remfrey what do you think about cut the crap by the clash <laughs> um the louder article where where it described it as a dog's dinner like feels like almost the most apt kind of descriptor it's just such a mess it, it, i think it's what people who think that they hate avant-garde weird music i think this is what they think all avant-garde weird noise music is just an absolute mess and clash uh pun not intended of styles and nothing being cohesive in any way shape or form i mean literal noise at points people anyone who says that like i don't know black metal it's just noise i would give them this album say no this is noise because none of the elements are kind of interlinked or interplay with one another whatsoever it just sounds like a complete and utter garbled mess i mean the 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 first song dictator i mean the irony of calling the song dictator when you think about the story Mm. of uh, bernie Rhodes overtaking this whole thing you know it it's just it sounds awful all these things and all these odd noises just coming in every so often completely randomly completely out of time Mm -hmm. it just sounds like an avant-garde messy piece of shit it's absolutely rubbish it's awful um and you know like especially from the story that you said there or you've heard there like this is nothing to do like we have already acknowledged that the songs are hardly the strongest songs that the clash ever wrote but the, the songwriting itself whilst it's you know below the standards of what the clash should be it's not an absolute the, the songwriting is not an absolute catastrophe no. in any way shape or form um mm. it is the way that it has been put together and it's the way that it's been produced and the utterly beguiling decisions that have been made uh with it i have no idea about bernie rhodes's um sort of uh, it, I, I have no idea if he was teetotal or if he used drugs or was a drinker or anything like that but there's quite a lot of um it feels like quite a lot of cocaine might have got into the decision making behind this album i, <laughs> I don't would imagine know. so i mean fuck me yeah. if it hasn't then that is a wacky personality that you've got there a dictator uh, is yeah unbelievable it is like carter usm if they when when they were two do you know what i mean like absolutely <laughs> like the first time you ever handed those two people instruments and went what would you make there's just so much shit going on awful fake brass awful mm-hmm. processed synthesized drums a load of tv noises in the background yeah barely audible as a song the drums are out of time how can electric mm-hmm. drums not keep time i, I, mean, I was like <laughs> how, 
the, the drums are not in time. How are you? Do, I don't even know if you could do that back then. Do you know what I mean? I don't even know. I, I didn't know. even know that was possible. Like, it is so bizarre. Like, I just, I've just written, what is this shite? <laughs> what is, because what is this? What the actual fuck is this record? It is fucking bizarre. I mean, Dirty Punk which um, Vulture magazine compared this to the worst ever Mick Jagger solo uh, song. And I, in, in, <laughs> I mean, that is poor Mick Jagger. He's not that bad, is he? Surely. I mean, this is bad. Dirty punk. Sounds like Banana Rama being fucked by ministry after getting strung out on smack at 2am round the back of Chico <laughs> land. It's fucking rubbish. It is like what? And we all, we all know what that sounds like. Well, just put a dirty punk on. And it's about him like <laughs> driving his car. I'm a dirty punk. I'm going to drive my car and just shout at people down. It's like, like the, the Clash weren't always, weren't always, like Joe Strummer, isn't hasn't got a 100 percent bullseye hit rate success rate of being somebody who writes lyrics that you go oh my god this is really incredible insightful lyrics clash could write mm. stupid songs and you know they've got mm. that when you go back to like, white right i want to write like fucking simple the mm. the mm. like i think we when we were talking about idols we mentioned that song because it's brilliant in its in its simplicity and the yeah. clash are brilliant in their simplicity sometimes but i'm a dirty punk i shout i'm a dirty punk like it is yeah. bad it's bad it's not good it's bad it sounds bad no, yeah. and it's stupid yeah. it makes you sound fucking stupid it does and you're joe yeah, strummer yeah. you shouldn't sound stupid um mm. i think we are the clash might be the worst song a great band has ever released it, it, it's fucking terrible we are the clash and i think the fact uh, the, the name itself and the sheer shitness of the song kind of makes it even you know mm. if metallica wrote a song called we are metallica and it was the worst thing they'd ever done or mm. we are iron maiden you know, i mean if metallica wrote a song called we are iron maiden <laughs> that would be a real fuck up but you know what i mean like like it would still the, be better that, than this kind of, <laughs> i probably would and the bravado there's a bravado to that title isn't there which which just makes it even worse it's 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 fucking terrible that's we're not going to be treated like trash we've got one thing we are the clash <laughs> but jesus you aren't even the clash you're not really the clash no so no well, stop actually, saying you're the clash this would be you know what? I hadn't, this, had, that hadn't even occurred to me but no they're not the clash like, it's they? more <laughs> like sepultura going we're sepultura we we this is the definitive sepultura line but they, at least even that makes more sense because derek's been in the band for like longer than max now so you yeah. could even go well i can see where he's coming from but there is in 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 no way are you the clash in no way you the only two of the clash are in this really one of them's not even actually on the song. One yeah, of them didn't know what was yeah. going on. This is not the clash. This is not the it's, clash. No. I mean, it is ridiculous. And you could kind of let it go. Like I say, you kind of let it go being so, well, come on, lads. You're not the clash. If it was even, I mean, it's not even not a great song. It's not even a bad song. It is an unbelievable song. It is mm. unfathomable that they would mm. allow, anyone would allow anyone to hear this. If I wrote this and played it, and I had this, and I was like, I, I wouldn't play it to any, I wouldn't play it to Bonjour. I wouldn't want her to <laughs> hear me sound like such a fucking idiot. Like, it's... Yeah. 
It makes Black Rose sound like Stairway to I Heaven. I bet it does. I mean, my <laughs> God, it is. Te- it genuinely might be when I think of like you think of some of the shite that the Beatles have released. Yeah, yeah, you they think have released of your some shite. Rocky Raccoons and mm-hmm. all the sh- you know all the shit that they do. Maxwell Silver, oh, Maxwell Silverhammer's all right, but like you think some of the shit we talked about on the White Album where we were like, yeah. well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the highs are high, but the lows are really fucking low. Like, yeah, yeah. Nothing on the White Album even is, comes close is anywhere to near as bad no. as We Are the Clash. No. no, even when you listen, even when you listen to fucking like Dylan's bad, like <laughs> fucking Christmas album. Even when you listen yeah. to like Iron Maiden with Blaze Bailey. Even if you yeah. listen to like Tony Martin in Black Sabbath or the Rolling Stones yeah. solo project or you know kiss when there was nobody in kiss like no big band has ever released an, a song as bad as we are the clash it is fucking stunningly bad it, you know you've you've i mean i don't want to do a, a, another podcast on top of this one where we search for the worst song by the biggest band ever no, but you, you. you like it, it's it certainly uh, when you initially said it i was like oh you're probably being a little ott but you have argued it very well actually and it's very difficult to think of anything well i don't know i it, I, I think invisible kid is a, on, on on st anger is an absolutely risible song um but but it's nowhere near as bad as as we are the clash i think it's nowhere near as bad as a lot of this record yeah you know? i mean fucking yeah. hell people kicking off about that u2 album which is in the hat by the way getting downloaded onto their yeah. that entire U2 album that you all hated that you, you didn't even listen yeah. to but you hated just being on your mm-hmm. phone oh my god something's on my phone um, <laughs> something's on my phone I must listen to it we don't have to oh, oh well, what about when I put it on shuffle well don't put it on shuffle you moron listen to our album <laughs> like a fucking adult uh, or make your own you playlist you didn't even have to download it you didn't no, no, have to didn't it. Have it would to just download. it would just pop up it would just pop up in your iTunes yeah, library like, uh, unbelievable anyway we'll talk but, about that when we do that another but time yeah. even that like that whole album is all of it is better than We Are the Clash. Mm, mm. We oh, Are the Clash is yeah. horrible. It is horrific. It's like watching your family being butchered in front of you because you're oh, like I knew you were going to say something controversial. Well, that's not controversial. <laughs> it is like it's like watching a tragedy unfold in front of your very eyes. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, certainly, I I I, I do get what you're saying actually, because like uh, you know, as we said, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I, I'm just a casual Clash fan. But you know, if I was people who like the Clash are really fucking passionate about the Clash, and for good reason, I get it, I understand why. So to hear, I suppose you could comfort yourself in the fact that you can go, well, it's not really the Clash, and Joe Strummer didn't really have anything to do with. It. But you know, I don't know if Pearl Jam release something like this or guns and roses even or, 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 or guns, or, guns or roses have to be fair not as bad as no 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 no, well, no mean, they haven't that is I the mean, thing. even that song that i, I mean i actually don't mind that recent guns and roses song i'd certainly think it is 50 times better than we are the clash well oh, oh god yeah absurd is is better than we are the clash i mean i i i i would arguably say the worst thing guns and roses have done is my world maybe the very last song on news your illusion to um oh yeah and yeah it's better than this yeah it is let's not ever mention this song again well we're gonna have to at some point i think are you red why are you red why what the fuck is that all about (laughs) i mean so it's so it's spelled are you red dot dot why 
It's not even dot dot dot. It should be dot dot dot. Or in dot theory, because surely you're just dot, missing. Yeah. Uh, yes, an A. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, this is like if the Cure got drunk and decided to do the theme song for Beverly Hills Cop, which <laughs> sounds like it's good. And it could be if everything else on here wasn't an absolute piece of shit, it might be all right. But it, but but it is, and it and and so it is. I mean. Mm-hmm. Cool under heat is they put a fucking fiddle in there. They sound like yeah. more, they just sound like morons. This is the thing yeah. about this, so much about this record. I just think you like you're this is to all you know. Joe Strummer is involved in this, and Joe Strummer is a, a brilliant man. But, but everyone mm. involved in this sounds like an actual moron. Not just bad musicians or bad music. They sound like morons. You're like, yeah. you sound thick as fucking shit on this record. Mm. Mm. And yeah. I can't, I mean, uh, Movers and Shakers is where they start to add a little bit of gravitas to the album and it doesn't really work. As soon as that first line comes in, I mean, mate, what were you, like Billy Bragg for the mentally unwell. And they put a string part in there <laughs> with a gang vocal and it just doesn't, it's just jarring. <laughs> it doesn't work. What I will, I will say, one thing I will say for Movers and Shakers, there's this midpoint on the album, and we'll get onto the next track as well, where, like, I can see what they were trying to do. Like, for yeah. the first few songs, Dictator, for example, I listen to it and I go, I don't even have a clue what you're trying to do here. And 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 it's quite clear to me that you don't have a clue what you're trying to do here. With Movers and Shakers, and, and this is England, we'll get onto a bit, it's like, well at least i can see what you're trying to do you're just not doing it very well but but like there was a part in the middle of the record where i was like it's this isn't as offensive as what i've heard before not even offensive just just fucking terrible this isn't as awful it's still awful but not horrendously awful but yes i i don't think it works and i don't think it's good yeah um i don't think it's good i mean then we move on to this is england now, This Is England yeah. is the outlier of this record, as it is often yes. praised as being the one song from this record that is actually quite good. Um, and I think it probably is the, well, it is the best thing on this record, right? Joe Strummer has called it the last great Clash song. Mm. Now, fine. Hold your horses there, Joe. Would we really be talking about this song if it were not for the rest of this record? Like, if, no, this, was, exactly. if this was on London Calling... Well, then yeah. you'd want it taken off London Calling. Yeah, it's probably. it's not actually a good song. No, it it it, it sound it's a it, it's a moment of I, I don't know relief in the storm of utter shitness uh, that that precedes it and that comes after it, but it is just seen as really really good. I think because of what surrounds it, it's. Um, you know this is england is probably the only song on the record where you can hear the strength of the songwriting i will say that and i do think it's a a well written song i don't think it's astonishing but i think it's it's good but no i nowhere near enough to save this record no nowhere near near enough enough this is a bang average clash song and it like oddly is one it's the only song on the record where Bernard Rhodes was told to leave it like, like let it be the thing that it's going to be. Oh, how interesting! So it gives you an idea of probably what this album would have sounded like, which means it probably would have been just a very, very average Clash album. 
instead of a yeah probably probably still the worst clash album because i don't think you know this is probably they they picked it because they obviously feel that this is the strongest piece of songwriting and it's about kind of thatcherite britain and there's that line about i've got a motorcycle jacket but i still walk everywhere and which is a great line you know there's like there's, mm. there's there's bits of the kind of joe strummer's that kind of um kitchen sink poetry in this mm. um mm. and it mm. talks of you know uh, sheffield steel and you know this is and, and you know and it's actually like lyrically i think this is one of the few times mm. on this record where well one i mean who even fucking knows what he's singing about for the most part like most i mean on dictator do you know what he's singing about on dictator do you know what the fuck he's talking about when we get to like finger popping i mean who fucking knows right but this is the one time where you do actually go well there you go there's joe strummer it's joe strummer it's joe strummer on a six it's joe strummer on a Mm. you know in in kind of third gear but it's still joe strummer i don't think you know that the eulogizing for this, this song is totally unfounded i think it's not a good it's not a great clash song it's an okay clash song yeah yeah i i i i i'd even go as far as to say it's a quite good clash song but i but i don't think but i you know yeah eulogizing it and and making out that it's a classic clash song unforgotten brilliant gem like no no it's it's not no nonsense total nonsense I think I wonder if it's got a bit more precedence now because Shane Meadows this that's where he got the title for This Is England from blah blah blah. Well, Strummer said it was the last great clash song so he kind of hyped it up himself mm. to be fair. And that was so. before yeah, the, yeah. the the thing. Three card trick is like rubbish American scar. Yeah. No, thank you very much. Um play to win. Oh, what the f- again, what is this? The Casio keyboard demo with a load mm. with Joe Strummer going Oh, not half, mate. I'm Brit. Now, nah, come on, call blimey. St- like doing fucking Del Boy for three yeah. minutes over a cassette, yeah. like on the Dodgems with like his his Jamaican friend. I've got my Jamaican friend, but I'm Brit. I am English. Call blimey. Yeah. Stone- that was a pair. It'd be lucky, governor. All that shit. Yeah. And it's, and it's, is that a, that's not a song, is it? And then a, a bunch of people shout something over. It's fucking rubbish. What the fuck? It's sad to say it, but it kind of feels like I was listening to that song and I felt like I can feel the integrity sort of seeping away as each second ticks away on this song. Um, it's um, and, and that's a really sad thing to say about Joe Strummer and The Clash, because if that man was one thing, it was he had integrity. You know? Yeah, but he's I mean, you know like when you know that it's not his fault no and yeah, and, he's fo- and like let's be honest he's phoning this like this this is this out he's phoning this yeah. in he is like yeah, you know yeah. his his mum was ill and he was <clears> upset <throat> and i get all that like do you know what i mean i think that shouldn't be yeah. forgotten and left out in this thing mm. but you mm. know you it he's phoning it in absolutely mm. phoned this in and he's you know allowed somebody to come and he's phoned phoned a clash album in and somebody has gone how can i make this 50 times worse <laughs> <laughs> and he's found a way to be fair to him because it is yeah. probably 50 times worse than it would have been if it had been like i uh, finger popping don't talk shop finger pop why are you doing this to yourself please i've no it's embarrassing finger popping i mean it's like the worst it's like it, the worst kind of art of noise song if they just weren't good <laughs> in any if they weren't <laughs> capable of doing anything even very good it's all the when people talk shit about the 80s 
oh, the fucking 80s was terrible. And I'm like, no, 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 the 80s was great. So many good things in the 80s. And even stuff that you remember being cheesy or whatever. Actually, like, there's a kernel of brilliance underneath it all. But I know when people say the things they're thinking about when they think about how shit the 80s was, this is it. It's stuff this like is this, This is the yeah. absolute, like, there is nothing here. There is nothing here. It's stupid, inane dog shit. It's awful. As someone who, in the past, has said uh, the 80s is shit, and I've seen the error of my ways, but as someone who has said that in the past, uh, I can absolutely confirm finger popping is exactly the sort of thing <laughs> that I was thinking about when I was... I, I hadn't heard that song at the time, but it encapsulates everything that I once thought was shit, and, and I know, still do think is shit about the 80s. Mm. So, yeah, bollocks. Uh, rubbish, yeah. I mean, the fucking Kylie and Jason duet, North and South, sounds like fucking... <laughs> Stock Aitken and Waterman's absolutely dire elevator music. Shite, you're the clash, lads. What the fuck are you doing? And Life is Wild, it's just noise, not a song. I mean, Atari Tenor Live at Brixton is more of a song than, than that. It's just <laughs> not a song. Oh, it's it's very reminiscent of Dictator, isn't it? The album's yeah. first song where, where everything is just an absolute fucking mess. Um, for a millisecond, I was like, is it clever that they're trying to bookend this? It felt like it was a bookend kind of thing. Mm. But then I was like, no, no. it's not clever because it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's oh, rubbish. look, we, we've, book, but, you know, it's not even bookending it. It's to be like having a bit of shit as a book, as two bookends, two bits of shit and your whole book collection was just other pieces of shit <laughs> yes, yes shit ends like- so so you're suggesting one turd has been split in two separated and then other pieces of shit have been put yeah. in between those separated pieces yes absolutely that's, i think that's a that's an apt album. analogy that's this album <laughs> i mean jesus this record is in case you hadn't noticed lads and ladies this is bad this is so bad. And it just goes to show you, I think, Renfrey, how important chemistry is in a band. You said it last week. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You said it last week, and this is an even bigger example of how fickle the creative process can be. And when you have a bloke in a suit making the decisions, when you go from Mick Jones and Joe Strummer to Joe Strummer and a man who... <laughs> like stood near malcolm mclaren when he was forming the sex pistols um i mean you know that is that is not the one this album is a terrible idea and a terrible situation and a terrible thing to have happened to what is one of the greatest bands in the history of music full stop when this record finished on my Spotify. I haven't listened to this record in full since, well, probably since the first time I heard it at some point during right. the, during the mid to late 90s when I went, well, I'll never listen to that Clash album again. <laughs> and White Man at Hammersmith Palais came on on my Spotify after the record ended. And the contrast in it, a bit like I said, I think I said it was Super Collider. When fucking Holy Wars came in after yeah, the end yeah, of, yeah. of Super Collider, you're like, how have you dropped the ball? so hard and listening to white man at hammersmith palais after listening to the entirety of cut the crap i was like oh well i know how you've dropped the ball so hard but how have you allowed this to happen to you because it is fucking tragic it is fucking tragic the cramps came on on my spotify after i finished listening to this and i don't like the cramps particularly but it sounded a fuck ton better i like fucking menstrual cramps more than i like this (laughs) 
and I've never even had a period before. So I was, was going to say, have you had menstrual cramps? I've been around people uh, who have, and they tell me it's not the best. <laughs> and I don't really like being around them when they've got it either, to be honest. So, you know. Yes, okay, good. Mm. Before we come to rank it, we should just kind of stick a little bit of aftermath in it. I mean, Joe Strong was calling this the Clash 2 or the Clash version 2 or clash 2.0 or whatever like even before the album came out probably because you know he knew what was about to happen right so it was as discussed a massive flop and the clash split up kind of before the album actually came out joe strummer called a band meeting in october 1985 gave everyone a thousand pounds and he told them that the band had split up this was actually a month before the album came out and had even been released he actually as i mentioned he tried to take out an injunction to stop the album from coming out but he failed. Wow. Uh, he was exiled in Spain, living in Spain at the time. And the record label got hold of him and were like, you have to go and promote this record. And he just went, nah, I'm not doing that. And that is the sort of sad end of The Clash. Um, yeah. Joe Strummer came back, did some solo stuff in the 90s. Uh, I saw a little bit of him at Reading one year. Oh, it's very right. good. Obviously passed away in 2002. So mm. there will be no Clash reunion ever and mm. we've known that for a long time and that he died before the possibility of those sort of things even ever could have cropped up i would yeah. have imagined that had that have happened we would have probably seen some sort of reunion thing do you think so hmm. i would have thought so wouldn't you um I mean, you never can tell, can you? There's been plenty of reunions which have happened, which I have said in the past, that's never, ever going to happen. I don't know, Refused or, um, uh, well, Guns N' Roses going back with Slash and Duff. I know it's not the original, but, you know, it's close enough for most people. There's been a whole bunch which I never, ever, ever would have imagined would have happened. Mm. Um I don't know. I, I don't know if it would have been a good thing if the Clash had reformed hmm. um, necessarily. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I feel like. I just feel like at some point somebody would have said, you know, come on, let's let's do mm. this thing. Particularly, yeah. you know, when those sort of those things started started happening. I mean, the only thing we ever had was just before Joe Strummer died, when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we had Jones and Strummer doing a couple of Clash songs um, during a London benefit show, I think, right. in London. And apparently they were going to do some kind of... I'm not sure everybody was going to be involved in the kind of Rock yeah. and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony. But yeah, I think that when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there was chat that there was potentially going to be some kind of clash reunion in the same way as like talking heads did the did a few songs during the talking heads um induction around that time oh. but you mm. know joe strummer died before they actually got inducted so um mm. that was never going to happen so i feel like the willingness maybe even 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 back then you know who who would reform by 2002 who were the, the sort of big bands that would kiss black sabbath sex pistols we we always sort of talk about the ones the, the band who made the whole revival thing uh, uh, like big business and and the, the the ones who started the wave of bands reforming were Pixies and they hadn't they uh, I, I don't know they might have reformed in two thousand three but they didn't play shows till two thousand four I know that so so that whole kind of yeah wave of bands reforming 
which happened over and over and over again and arguably still is happening to, to a degree yeah. didn't start till 2004 mm. I'd say. yeah so I don't know I feel like there might have been some kind of clash reunion at some point um, who knows <laughs> who knows but yeah, you know obviously that isn't going to happen it didn't happen and we are left with a really really great back catalogue really really important back catalogue and this <laughs> so which leads me to where we're going to fucking rank this um well um it is undoubtedly a broken record we've talked about a lot of records where um we've tried to make this distinction between bad records and broken records this is a broken record um in terms of the production in terms of the fact that it it sounds like a mess in terms of the fact that it was the full stop on a band who should have had a some sort of last hurrah you know it shouldn't have faded out like it did it should have been triumphant in some way and you know this is there's nothing vaguely triumphant about this so it's absolutely broken so i think we're looking at the top part of the chart surely um i mean on on every level i mean this is in a way this is kind of the reverse of the shags who were nobodies who ended up getting some kind of career in a pretty horrific sad circumstances this is a really massive band who deserves so much watching them be reduced to it's not even that you know because sometimes you see sometimes you see a band who have reformed or everything and they look old and they're like oh they just can't really do it anymore and it's kind of sad to see that they've lost the system of a down right I look at system of yeah. down. look look how yeah but you're kind of they're kind of they've done that to themselves and there's stuff that was taken out of like the way the album was produced the fact that they tried to make a proper quote-unquote punk album and it came out like this mm. because of somebody else the fact that you could they didn't want it coming out the fact that they split up before it even came out the whole thing is just horror it's just a horrible 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 thing and the record itself just taking the music in isolation is as bad as pretty much anything we've covered i mean this is a dreadful record dreadful Mm. Mm. with Mm. pretty much no redeeming qualities to it at all bar this is england England. being all Mm. right yeah 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 although we have we have covered some records which literally have no redeeming qualities whatsoever we have yeah yeah we have let's give it that at least um the one thing i think the shags is an interesting place to to go to to begin with but you know what i think the shags is uh more tragic than this oh and that story yeah yeah Yeah, because because that was you know as i said on that episode i would argue that there was a form of abuse that was happening there and um I, I can only imagine how frustrated Joe Strummer must have been that that this was being taken away from him and the creativity was being taken away from him. But it's not a it's not abuse, is it, on that scale? Do no, you know what I mean, no. But then you could also argue that Shags have kind of had the last laugh because they do have this enduring legacy, which this album very much does not have. And Joe Strummer never really, although he went off on solo tours, and I think he knew that the Clash are always a really, really important band to a lot of people. I think this would have really like. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of reconciling. Cut the crap as a as a record. True, but 
this album didn't make people suddenly dislike the clash you know yeah it, it, it people just heard it once went fucking out well you said it yourself you, you listened to it once in the mid 90s went fucking out i'm not gonna listen to that again and then went back to the clash or london calling or sadness or whatever or combat rock you know it didn't it didn't like did it affect your love for the clash at all hearing this record no so therefore you know i don't think i don't think it did have that lasting impact in that sense i mean <clears throat> before we did this i i had not heard i had not heard of this record I'd, i've heard of all the other ones but i hadn't even heard of it and yes well, they I do am their best fan. to bury it <laughs> exactly well <laughs> understandably yeah, 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 but, to be fair <clears throat> very much understandably yeah um but i think i think for that reason it hasn't tarnished their legacy or their reputation i don't think no because most people don't know about it no that is true that is true uh but it is still there and it is still unfucking believably bad um it, i i was i was shocked it's on spotify yeah because because some you know so, since well, spotify's got big someone would have had to put it on Spotify. you can buy a, a, a the, the complete clash vinyl box set and this isn't on it yeah exactly that's that's the other i read that and that's the other reason i'm surprised it's on spotify yeah like you know yeah yeah surprising i don't i mean who the hell was licensing that and maybe it was bernie was his face i don't know but yeah it's but anyway uh back to the ranking um so i don't think it's as bad as the the shags um uh, i don't um uh cory feldman is tragic um oh but i don't know i i I, i'm looking somewhere between what i'm looking between is the shags at number seven and our old friend eogan quig at number 12 now what we have there we have the shags philosophy of the world Corey feldman and angelic to the core vanilla ice hard to swallow which which uh, just to Mm -hmm. jump in to give you what Mm -hmm. i think vanilla ice hard to swallow is an example of some talented session people trying their best to do something that has no with someone who has absolutely no creative or artistic merit or bone or like a, a decent bone in their body whereas this, this is, is the, one, the flip yeah. of that where mm. it's like taking a genius like joe strummer and destroying mm. everything that he stands for and what he wanted to do so there's a little part of me that thinks between Corey feldman and vanilla ice because I don't think anyone's fucked up anything quite as much as even Eogan. Do you know what I mean? Like, which is just cheap and shit. And no one's really, no one's even really thought mm. about it. But Eogan's not a genius. Mm. Eogan's not someone no. you could look at and go, oh, poor Eogan. He could have had such a great career. Six feet under are clearly taking the piss. Towers of London mm. were just chances. And everyone involved mm. in it was a bit of a chancer. Vanilla Ice, like I say, you've got a, 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 an absolute cornball was surrounded by people who were actually pretty good at their jobs but can't mm. save this lunatic fucking knobhead and yeah. weirdly even though i hated vanilla ice hard to swallow i think i i think i hate this more i mean and certainly in terms of like which is worst Ugh. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh god, yeah. You might be right. It's 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 pretty awful. I mean, I suppose the one thing I'd say for Vanilla Ice is it does have all that horrible misogynistic stuff, but it's not as even that we've had mm. far more misogynistic mm-hmm. records, and we and and actually, I think the music on Hard to Swallow probably is better than the music on this yeah which is sounds like an insane thing to say i mean if you had told me that a few weeks ago i would have been like are you mad how can the clash write worse music than vanilla rice but uh they have i'm putting it in there i mean yeah that is really quite upsetting to see the clash yeah that fucking because there's kind of well there is you know there are things that are an excuse for all these things but when i look down there they're now the highest big band and when i look at like queen i don't care about queen that much mm. to be like mm. particularly that iteration of queen i mean i definitely don't really care about that, that iteration of the, the the clash but there's mm. only like richard ashcroft don't really care i mean the, it's not the beatles so whatever and sergeant mm. peppers and then you get those like megadeth like i mean everyone knows that Meg, you can't really compare the megadeth to the clash um no. but the clash now do have are now like the worst big band that we've covered which i actually yeah. find deeply upsetting to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest and i'm gonna put it in i'm gonna move on i'm gonna pick another ha- uh, another hat from the record another record from the hat <laughs> and let's see what we get renfrey we have got oh no oh Uh-oh. this shit again i might put this back oh we can't come out it's got to come we we play the hand we've been dealt yeah. we met at sea by the Pigeon Detectives. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's more of that fucking enemy mid noughties fucking crap. So you yeah. already know what we're going to say. This is a fucking. <laughs> this is the Ginger Spirit Box review, isn't it? All the stuff we said about <laughs> the twang, except it will be, I'm sh- pretty sure, the Pigeon Detectives album will be uh, a, a, a horror, an absolute horror. Um, mm. Great. Yeah. Great. What a good idea. This is the first time where I've gone, why did I come up with it? Of all the times you're like, oh, I hate it when you come up with this. What a stupid. Blah, 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 blah. This is actually the first time where I've been like, I, I don't want to listen to that at all. I have no uh, desire to know. I might just not. I think maybe, should we just not listen to it and just do it and go, look, look we didn't listen to it, but here's all the, the guff on it. And look, let's just assume it's rubbish and put it somewhere in the middle. Look, I mean, I don't. I, what would Joe Strummer say? If we did that, we'd, we 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 wouldn't have any integrity. Say, we we that, are the clan. <laughs> uh, I think I think we, it is our duty to listen to it as uh, doyens of the broken records. We need to well, listen to it. Unfortunately, I look forward to that. Cool. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the fucking pigeon detectives. <laughs> Fuck my life. See you later. <laughs>